Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Recorded live. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the latest and the greatest of the Outspoken Podcast, coming at you as I love to do every Monday and Thursday over the airwaves of OBN Radio and, as always, the second floor of the Memorial Student Center, better known as the MSC. I'm your host, Andre Davis. Got a lot of things to get into today, ladies and gentlemen. I have another jam-packed show for you today. I'm going to be honest with you. Normally, I do this show for an hour long. That's normally the time frame. Normally, I try to fit everything within an hour. But I'm going to be honest. I'm not so sure if I can do that today. I'm just not sure. Because there's so many things to get into from detail to details. There's a lot of things to discuss. But I promise I will do my God-honest best to try to fit everything in within an hour. But fasten your seatbelts and buckle up and be prepared to go over to go over an hour today, ladies and gentlemen. But I promise you, it's still going to be a great show. It's still going to be a great show nonetheless. So call your brothers, call your sisters, your girlfriends, your aunts, your uncles, your moms, your daddies. Call your newborn babies if you have to and let them know they need to tune in to the Outspoken Podcast right now. Only on OBNRadio.com Channel 6. And the call-in number, as always, 469-474-9370. Again, that's 469-474-9370. We're going to start things off today with Ezekiel Elliott. For those of you that aren't aware, he has withdrew his appeal as of yesterday. Wednesday, November the 15th, 2017, to be exact. He's done. He's finished. So for those of you that have been talking about Ezekiel Elliott, wanting him to just stop appealing, Week after week after week, every time he gets denied by one court, every time he gets denied by another court, to just stop peeling, to give it up. Well, congratulations, because you got your wish, because he's done. He's finished appealing. But for clarification, I'm going to read you the statement put out by Zeke's representatives. And it reads as this, and I quote, in consultation with the NFLPA and his lawyers, and after careful deliberation and review of the recent Second Circuit decisions, Mr. Elliott has decided to forego any further appeals and will serve the remaining suspension. This decision arises from practical assessment of the current legal landscape. Mr. Elliott's desire for closure in this matter is in his best interest, is in his best interest, as well as the best interest of his teammates, families, and friends. This decision is in no way an admission of any wrongdoing. I'm going to read that again. This decision is in no way an admission of any wrongdoing. And Mr. Elliott is pleased that the legal fight mounted by he and his team resulted in disclosing many hidden truths regarding this matter, as well as publicly exposing the NFL's mismanagement of its disciplinary process. 
Mr. Elliott will maximize this time away from the game and come back even stronger both on and off the field. He intends to release a, a final personal statement in the upcoming weeks, and until then, we have no further comments and quote. I read that one line twice on purpose because I want to make something very, very clear here. And this is one of the reasons why I decided to bring this up first because everybody's saying the same thing, that because Ezekiel Elliott decided to, in, in, in most people's cases, quit or be done with it, then he must be guilty. Oh, he must be guilty. Yeah, man, he got to be guilty. He decided to quit. He don't want to continue appealing. He's done. Hold on. Pump your brakes. Not only does it say it right here, the decision is in no way any admission of any wrongdoing. That means that just because he's deciding to stop appealing, that doesn't mean that he is admitting to doing anything. Now, of course, you got to put that into the statement for clarification because, as I just stated, a lot of people are going to take those words or take the fact that he's deciding to appeal and flip it, and people have already done so. But this says right here that just because he's deciding that he's done appealing, that doesn't mean that he's admitting to the fact that he's guilty. And I said this before a while back on, the, on previous shows, that at this point, now, we were talking about guilt or innocence when this thing with Ezekiel Elliott first came out in the summertime. We were talking about guilt or innocence there. And we were wondering what Ezekiel Elliott and his representatives were going to do the moment they got the, the moment they got the sentence in terms of the moment they got the suspension in terms of six games up to this point. We were wondering. Is he going to try to negotiate or they're going to try to see if they can reduce it to four games? Is, is he going to appeal? What's going to happen? And we got our answer. Ezekiel Elliott and his representatives continue to appeal here and there every week, every other week. He was getting granted. On one hand, this past time, he got denied. He appealed that, and he got granted, and he was able to play. Now, he has been backed up into a corner where he has no choice. Thanks to the Second Circuit Court decision in New York, He's backed up into a corner, and now he has no choice but to serve the six-game suspensions. Now, I asked a question. I've been asking the same question. Ever since we've been talking about the Ezekiel Elliott situation, I've been asking this very question that you have to ask yourself before you just pick a, before you just pick a side. Is Ezekiel Elliott – well, in this particular case, was Ezekiel Elliott appealing the courts or appealing the decision, rather, because – he wants to continue playing every week, or was he appealing the course because he honestly really didn't do it? I know I just said before that we're not talking about guilt or innocent, but that's in terms of Ezekiel Elliott and his representatives to versus the power of the NFL. That's what I mean in terms of guilt or innocent, because whether the NFL is concerned or not, it has nothing to do with guilt or innocence at this point. Because we know about the evidence and everything like that and how they really didn't have substantial evidence. They had what well, they said they had substantial evidence, but they didn't have concrete evidence to really prove that Ezekiel Elliott actually did it. But because his name is in the situation in terms of domestic violence and because he plays for the NFL, they felt the need to punish him. Well, we all know that he's paying for the fact that they mishandled the situation, mishandled the Ray Rice situation. We all know that. There's no secret with that. 
But in terms of the question that we had to ask ourselves, because it's important, because I said this on the last show, yeah, at the end of the day, none of us, at least in my case, not sure if you're listening or not, if you have dealt with this, then excuse me. But I'm talking about the ones that have not dealt with this. None of us have actually dealt with domestic violence. None of us, and even if you have, I know personally myself, I have not been put I have not been put into the light when it comes to domestic violence. I have not had my name associated with domestic violence in the news. See, we don't pay attention to that. Ezekiel Elliott has his name attached to domestic violence in the news. None of us ever had to deal with that. Ezekiel Elliott, and finally, and I'm glad it, it took him a minute to finally do this, but he put out a statement last week saying, you know what? Certain things are bigger than are bigger than football. There are things in life that are much bigger than the NFL, and I agree with him one hundred ten percent. I've been saying this for the longest. Yes, he plays for the NFL. Yes, he needs to be out there in the field. He plays for the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, he is very important to the franchise. So therefore, he needs to continue doing what he can to play every week because his team needs him. I've said all that, but at the end of the day, when you're talking about leaving a legacy attached to your name. When you're talking about leaving the NFL, what do you want people to say about you? What's the last thing that you want people to say about you? You want people to be talking about what you, uh, how well you did on the field? Or do you want people to talk about what you did or what you were, in this particular case, allegedly associated with off the field? And that's where the domestic violence situation comes in handy. And you felt like you actually really didn't do it. You continue to fight. I honestly don't agree with this. Now, I know at the end of the day, it's hurting the team and everything like that, but there are certain situations in terms of the loss that they, that they lost to last week against the uh, Falcons, 27-7. There are certain things they could have, that they could have avoided, and they could, they could have actually beaten the Falcons without Ezekiel Elliott. So from a human standpoint, you continue to fight. I'm sorry. That's my stance with it. I can't go back from that. If you honestly feel like you didn't do it, as you said last week, there are certain things that are much bigger than the NFL. There are certain things in life that are much bigger than playing football and clearing your name of domestic violence if you felt like you are innocent is above that. It is. Football's not going anywhere. The NFL's not going anywhere. The Dallas Cowboys are certainly not going anywhere. But your name being attached to domestic violence. Something like that can live with you forever in a day. It really can. It really can live with you. That's really how I feel about it. And we have a caller on line one. Caller, you're on line with Outspoken. Talk to me. Yes, Mr. Andre. Thanks for taking my call. Love your show, man. I just call to tell you, I totally agree with you, man. You you think about it, man, uh, this guy has a career outside of, he has a life outside of football. And, and, and the average player played what sports, maybe two or three years. This guy has to make a living once he gets to playing football. And he don't want this associated with his name. And uh, like I said, I totally agree with you, man. And uh, thanks for taking my call. I'll hang up and continue listening. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Caller. And honestly, that's really what it is. I mean, I'm tired of everybody trying to say that, well, you know, trying to flip 
this statement by Ezekiel Elliott and his representatives and try to flip it in terms of, oh, yeah, man, he must he, he must be guilty. Oh, man, Ezekiel Elliott is quitting. Man, you know, you ain't never been you ain't never been involved in domestic violence. You never had your name in the light of domestic violence. You never had your name shared in the news and you had domestic violence right next to it. You never had that. You continue to fight. Like I said before, I understand. You signed a $20 million contract. Money is money is money. The NFL is going to be there. The Cowboys are going to be there. Football is going to be there. But as I said before, your name attached to domestic violence will live with you forever in a day. And if you honestly feel like you didn't do it, you continue to fight. You continue to fight no matter what. So I totally disagree with this. I totally disagree with this move. Now, on the other hand, I also said this. When it came to football, because a lot of people asked the same question. I listened to a show yesterday, and one of the questions they asked, should Ezekiel Elliott have taken a six-game suspension up front? I understand if he would have taken it up front, he would be playing by now. I get all of that. But you got to look at the Cowboys' record right now. Five and four. Still have an opportunity to make the wild card. A lot of people think after that loss against the Falcons, 27-7 to be exact, a lot of people think that the Cowboys are through, that they're not making the playoffs, and that's just not true. I just don't see it. I don't see them not making the playoffs. Yeah, I know people like to pull the fact that, that Sean Lee, or with Sean Lee, the Cowboys are very successful, and without Sean Lee, they're not successful, which in, 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 that, in that case, that is true. But just look at the lineup that the Cowboys have moving forward. The Cowboys have the Eagles this Sunday. We know how dominant the Eagles have been all season long. Personally, my, my favorite to come, out the, to come out the NFC East. There's no question about that. In, in, in the NFC, to period. There's no question about that. Ten times out of ten, without Zeke, we'll probably lose to the Philadelphia Eagles. There's no question about that. But the game after that, the L.A. Chargers, a team that's been playing media, that's been playing mediocre football all season long. Then after that, we have the Redskins, the team that we destroyed in the early part of the season. And then we have the Giants. We know how horrible they've been all season long. There's, even, there's no point in me even just exploring that factor right now. We already know how horrible they've been playing right there. I mean, you got guys on that team that's pretty much quitting on Ben McAdoo, and I don't blame him because Ben McAdoo should be gone by now. I don't know why he's still there. He should be gone. But they got the Giants after that. And then they have the Raiders, who's been inconsistent week after week after week. They will play their hardest and beat a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, a team who was in the top three in terms of the AFC. That game went down to the wire. Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree went off. They did their normal thing. Derek Carr did his normal thing. I believe Beast Mode got ejected that game, but he came back the week after that and ran for 100 yards. They did that thing. Then they'll come back the following week and barely beat a team like the Miami Dolphins. It's been real inconsistent football when it comes to the Raiders. That's a toss-up for me. But ultimately, I still think the Cowboys can actually pull out that victory without Ezekiel Elliott. So, in terms of the next five games, I only see the, I only see the Cowboys losing against one, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. They can beat the Chargers. They can beat the Redskins. They can beat the Giants. They can beat the, they can beat the Raiders. And Ezekiel Elliott will be back that following week before they play Seattle, which is a very, very important win for the Cowboys. Everybody calm down. Calm down. It's okay. They can make 
the playoff. They can still make the wild card. It's very, very saying that they're not going to make the wild card this year. And we have another caller on. Caller, you're on with outspoken. Talk to me. Hey, I'm Ray. This is Big Mo out of Dallas, Texas, man. I just called to <laughs> come in on that uh that cowboy statement you make, man. I just want to let you know the cowboys are dead, man. You can stick a fork in them. They done. <laughs> well, you know, um, I, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you feel that way, sir. But since I got you uh, on the line, now it sounds like you've pretty much been watching the Cowboys uh, up to this point. So, uh, explain to me how you feel that the Cowboys are done as of right now. Well, first of all, Dak Prescott don't have someone to cover him on that blind side, man. He's either gonna get hurt. He probably won't finish the season if they don't get him no help. Sean Lee can't stay healthy, and without Sean Lee on that defense, that defense is terrible. And they just have they have just a lot of problems going on, starting with the owner Jerry Jones, who needs to go somewhere and sit down somewhere. But I just don't see him going doing better than seven and nine this season. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned uh, Jerry Jones because we're going to get into Jerry Jones uh, a little bit later on into the show. But in terms of the offensive line, and you mentioned the fact that uh, we don't have Tyron Smith, who, as you mentioned, will be the left tackle in the blind and protecting the blind side of Dak Prescott. And honestly, just Chad Green just has just I, I, I honestly feel bad for him. I really do. Because Lord have mercy, but I blame more of that on the coaching staff. Because at the end of the day, you know you have an inexperienced player, that being Chad Green, at the left tackle position, the blind spot of Dak Prescott, and you continuously left him out in the cold. Every single play, Dak Prescott dropped back to pass the ball. How often did you not only not see an extra tight end on that side, or how often did you not see the running back line up on that side to pick up the block because Adrian was just going to run past Chad Green every single time, and he did just that. Yeah, they made an uh, average player look like a superstar. And yes. I think all the coaches, they, they all should be fired for that, man. They, they made that kid look terrible, and all they had to do was just get him some help, and they refused to do that for whatever reason. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. I really do. And, and, and honestly, when it comes to the defense, that front line is going to have to be the heart and the soul of that defense. You got too many babies out there in the secondary. They're babies. Jordan Lewis is a baby. He's a rookie. Anthony Brown, he's a, he's a baby. I mean, you know, and it just he's you know, now that now he he's not. I don't, I don't believe he's going to be uh, playing. I know he got hurt against the Falcons, and he's, he's questionable this week against Philadelphia and everything like that. Honestly, Jalen Smith, he's good. He, he's good. Jalen Smith and and Hitchens, they're going to have to really step up and fill that void for Sean Lee. But in terms of the big guys down low, David Irving, Demarcus Lawrence, Crawford. And even Taco Charlton, Charlton, they're going to have to be the heart and the soul of this defense because the run-stop the run defense is great. The run-stop defense is good. But any time a team drops back to pass against the secondary of the Cowboys, I hold my breath. Yes, I really do. It's a done deal. It is a done deal. Thank you, sir. Right. And, again, guys, like I say, honestly, it's 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 – 
not panic time yet. It's not panic time yet. Seriously. We have seen before, now I know the caller mentioned uh, seven and nine. I predicted eight and eight. And we've seen before that an eight and eight would not only get you into the wild card, into the playoffs, but it will get you a championship. It will get you a Super Bowl. Now, I'm not saying that the Giants did it. Uh, the Giants did it five, five, six years ago. Now, I'm not saying that the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. I'm not. That's that's really far fetched. But an eight and eight record in the NFL will get you a wild card spot. Honestly, let's just relax. I blamed Jason Garrett and that entire coaching staff for leaving Chaz Green out on the clouds last week. Last week, I really did. I blame that on them because they could have given him more protection. You could have kept, you could have kept an extra tight end out there. You could have made sure the running back was lined up on that side every time Dak Prescott was dropping back to pass, and they did not do that. But the caller mentioned Jerry Jones and how he needs to sit down. Now, speaking of Jerry Jones, the NFL sent a letter to Jones today accusing him of conduct detrimental to the league. Now, for those of you that listened to the show last week, we talked about Jerry Jones and everything like that and how the and how the threats that he sent Roger Goodell in terms of if he gets that contract extension in two thousand eighteen, which would be extended through two thousand twenty four, then he's planning on suing the NFL. And then they cracked back at Jerry Jones with a statement of detrimental to the league and what possibly could happen to Jerry Jones if he decides to go through with that lawsuit. And the reason I quote Specifically, Section 8.3 of Article 8 in the NFL's Constitution and Bylaws authorizes the commissioner to determine that an owner, Jerry Jones, has been or is guilty of conduct detrimental to the welfare, the welfare of the league or professional football. If the commissioner believes the available sanction, that, be, that being a $500,000 fine, is not adequate or sufficient, the commissioner may result the, may refer the issue to the NFL's executive committee, which has the power to compel, in other words, cancellation or forfeiture of the franchise and the league of any member club involved or implicated with a directive to sell the team. Now, that was that was a few days ago. And we got the report today that the owner actually told ESPN that in terms of selling the team, because that's what everybody was thinking. Oh, my goodness, is Jerry Jones going to have to sell the Cowboys if he actually tries to go through with this lawsuit? According to an owner, they didn't say the name, it was anonymous, but according to an owner, as of today, that that's ridiculous, that Jerry Jones does not have to actually sell the Cowboys if, in fact, he does go through with the lawsuit. But one of the things that I did mention last week, well, one of the questions that I mentioned, rather, was whether or not Jerry Jones' behavior qualifies as detrimental. Because when I read this last week, they didn't really go off in detail. And as you see just now, the statement hasn't changed. They didn't really go off in the details in terms of what qualifies as detrimental, as, as personal detrimental conduct. So I really wanted to know. Now, it came out today that the NFL sent Jerry Jones a letter saying that, hey, yes, the behavior that you're causing is detrimental to the league. So. If you keep it up, this is what's going to happen. Now, they said that at the end of the day, if he keeps it up, he's going to have to pay a fine or anything like that. I mean, what, honestly, I'm a Cowboys fan. I've never, I'm not a Jerry Jones fan, but I'm a Cowboys fan. But in terms of a fine, 
do you really think that's going to stop Jerry Jones? I mean, this, this is what we're talking about here. We're talking about Jerry Jones, a powerful, a powerful owner in the NFL, not just some slap-on-the-wrist owner, not just some owner wet behind the ears, breath smelling like Similac. Now, we're talking about Jerry Jones. You really think a fine is going to stop Jerry Jones? Especially when he feels that Ezekiel Elliott hasn't been given a fair shot. Especially when he doesn't want Roger Goodell to get the contract extension. When he's been trying to get him booted out here lately. And been trying to get all of the owners to rally with him to boot Jerry Jones. And by the way, he's not the only one. See, a lot of people feel like Jerry Jones is the only owner that's trying to get Roger Goodell up out of here. That's not true. Jerry Jones is the only name that's been in the news in terms of wanting to get Roger Goodell out of office, but he's not the only one. Don't be fooled, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just Jerry Jones. It's a whole lot. It's, 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 it's at least about five or six owners, and I'm being generous with that number. With that number, excuse me, that wants Roger Goodell out of the office. Let's be perfectly clear about that. So, when it comes to Jerry Jones and Roger Goodell. I'm really interested to see how, because it's like the NFL is trying to pull back. They're trying, it's like they're trying to pull back on the bylaws. So they say, you know what, if he goes through with the lawsuit, we'll just give him a fine and then just go from there. You really think a fine is going to stop Jerry Jones? Good luck with that, because I don't see it happening. Jerry Jones is going to continue to go with this full throttle. He's going to continue to fight for this. If he can't fight for Zeke Elliott in the court, then he'll fight against Roger Goodell in the court. He's going to fight against, against somebody of some sort until he gets what he wants. And I am certainly, certainly anticipating it. And we're 25 minutes past the hour here on Outspoken. Again, we are 25 minutes past the hour here on Outspoken. I'm your host, Andre Davis. If you're just now tuning in, we're talking about, we talked about Ezekiel Elliott in terms of him withdrawing his appeal as of yesterday. He's finished. He's done appealing. He's just going to serve the six games, and he's going to come back once they play the Seattle Seahawks. We talked about Jerry Jones and in terms of the NFL sending him a letter stating that his behavior is detrimental to the league and the possible actions that's going to take place if, in fact, he decides to sue the NFL, if he decides to go through with the lawsuit, if they extend Roger Goodell's contract through 2024. Keeping with the NFL, before we jump to basketball, there's one other thing I want to touch on. And when I say touch, I'm saying that lightly. I'm not sure if I'm able to touch on it shortly. But that's Tyrod Taylor, quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, getting benched for the fifth-round pick, Nathan Peterman. As of now, from what I've been hearing, from the research that I've pretty much been trying to dig up on this, and I had to, and I had to really dig deep. Because I said Nathan Peterman. You mean that fifth-round pick, Nathan Peterman? Yes, him. And I had to dig deep on this, ladies and gentlemen. And based on my research, they feel that Tyrod Taylor is not their guy for the future. So, what I'm pulling from this, you're going to bench him, a guy who's been your starter since 2015, your starting quarterback since 2015 when he came in the league. You're going to bench him in the middle of the season where you're still in the run for the playoffs. You're going to bench him for your fifth-round pick, Nathan Peterman. Why? Because you lost the last two games in a row? Because you lost on Thursday night to the New York Jets? Which I understand. It's the New York Jets. I get that. You're supposed to beat them. Or is it because you're embarrassed on Sunday when the New Orleans Saints 
just blew the draws off of you by the score of 47 to 10. Are you Is that why you, is it because you're embarrassed? Because that's the only thing I can think of. Why you would bench Tyrod Taylor now, even if you feel like he's not your guy. Now, maybe, now maybe that's what it is. You don't want to prolong it. You don't want to make him feel like he is going to be your guy, even though he's not going to be your guy. Let's go ahead and bench him right now. What are the what are the cons of that though? I get the pros. That's clear. You don't feel like he's he's gonna be your guy for the future. There's no reason to prolong this. Let's just go ahead and bench him right now. Let's not make him feel like he has a future here in Buffalo because he doesn't. I get that. That's the pro. What about the cons? Do you not think that the cons may just outweigh the pros in this particular situation, given the fact that you guys are in the middle of the hunt for the playoffs? You were just five and two before you lost to the New York Jets, and now and then took a loss this past Sunday to the New Orleans Saints. Now you're five and four, still in the hunt for the playoffs. Let me point something out here. Tyrod Taylor, in his first season with the Buffalo Bills, that being 2015, he was eighth overall in QB rating. Last year, he was ninth. As I said before. You take away the horrible loss to the Jets and the atrocious 47-10 to loss to the Saints. This is a 5-2 and two team who was surprisingly looked as if they have secured a spot in the postseason. You know what you did, Judo? You got rid of his wide receivers. That's what you did. Who does he have to throw to now? Other than Kevin Benjamin. And there's no and there's a reason why the Carolina Panthers got rid of Kelvin Benjamin this year because he wasn't producing. That's who you picked up. You don't have Sammy Watkins anymore. That's who he was throwing to. You don't have Percy Harvin. That's who he was throwing to. You have all these guys that was getting him to over 3,000 yards per season because he threw for over 3,000 yards in 2015 and he threw for over 3,000 yards in 2016 was ranked eighth and ninth in terms of QB ratings for the past two seasons in a row. That's who you had. Not some guy who was just dragging your program into the mud. Not some guy that you felt like couldn't actually lead your organization. You guys just still had a lot of moving parts. That's all it was. It was just some moving parts that you didn't want to deal with. The Bills are currently 5-4, and four, currently second in the AFC East behind the Patriots. They're number two. That's where they're standing right now. And you're benching him. Nathan Peterman better produce. That's all I got to say. He better produce. Because this is the guy that you put in his place. And I'll be honest, it's not going to look bad on Nathan Peterman. It's not. He's a fifth-round pick for a reason. He's a fifth-round pick for a reason. And that's what you guys are putting in the Tyrod Taylor. So who better produce? What's going to look bad on you? It's not going to look bad on Peterman. He didn't ask for this. He, felt like he thought he was going to be chilling all season, eating a banana every Sunday. Now he's in the starting lineup. In the middle of the season, you want to do this right now. Okay, pick your poison. Do it right now. He needs better produce. Because minus the two, minus the past two games, 
Tyrod Taylor's been producing for them this season. You don't bench somebody after two losses, even in fact, the last loss was as bad as it was. Minus all of that, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that one bit. Because what bothers me is that we always want to pull, we always want to point out numbers when it comes to quarterbacks. And I know I just did it just then, but I don't. But I pointed out QB ratings because I feel like that's a number that everybody likes to avoid when it comes to quarterbacks. Everybody wants to point out how many yards they throw, the number of completions, number of touchdowns, how many interceptions did they throw. That's the number that people like to point out. I like to point out QB rating. Those numbers are, that number is very important to me. That lets me know that you were efficient. You were just flinging the ball down the field at any given moment. You were throwing with accuracy. You were efficient in terms of your pass completions, in terms of in, in terms of everything, in terms of your accuracy, in terms of your touchdown to interception ratio. I take consideration all of that. And we all should. But there's another number that I like to point out. Because it really bothers me. It really does. Do you know that the Buffalo Bills have given up 28 sacks this year? And we're only halfway through the season. The Buffalo Bills are ranked fifth in the NFL in terms of sacks given up. With who at quarterback? Oh, Tyrod Taylor. I can answer that for you. This year, they've given up 28 sacks, and we're not done with the season. Last year, they gave up 34 sacks with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. In 2015, when he first came into the league, 36 sacks. The Buffalo Bills are ranked fifth in terms of sacks given up. Why don't we explore that when it comes to quarterbacks? Well, maybe he would be more efficient if he had time to throw the ball. If he didn't have defenders in his face every time he dropped back the pass. Let's explore that, shall we? You're going to bench Tyrod Taylor. How about you replace the O-line and actually get somebody that can block and hold a block and sustain a block? And how about you not get rid of his receivers? How about you actually give him somebody to throw to, excluding Kevin Benjamin, because we know what he did in the previous year to Carolina with Carolina, but we know what he did this year uh, in, this, in this particular case, what he failed to do, and he hasn't been producing. Let's explore that, shall we? Explore the fact that he doesn't have anybody to throw to, but we don't do that. We'll just bench you. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. 469-474-9370. Again, that's 469-474-9370. I failed to mention that the show is going to be hot, literally, ladies and gentlemen. There's so much things I got to get off my chest and not a lot of time as we are 30 minutes past the hour here on Outspoken. As I said before, I'm going to try my God on his best to do so. If you're just now tuning in, we've discussed Ezekiel Elliott withdrawing the appeal as of yesterday. We've, just talked, we've talked about Jerry Jones in the NFL sending Jerry Jones a letter saying that his behavior is detrimental to the league and actions may occur. We also talked about the owner 
that put out a statement saying that the fact that this, this rumor, as people were putting it, even though I read the bylaw, so I want to be perfectly clear here on Outspoken. It's not a rumor that I'm spreading, or it's not a rumor that I'm saying that everybody else is spreading. I read the bylaw, the NFL Constitution and Bylaws, Section 8.13 to be exact. And it says that the commissioner may refer the issue to the NFL's executive committee who has the power to compel cancellation or forfeiture of a franchise in the league of any member, club, involved, or implicated with a directive to sell the league. Sell, yeah, sell the team, excuse me. But this is a bylaw that I'm reading. But we discussed that. We talked about Tyrod Taylor getting benched for Nathan Peterman, a fifth-round pick, by the way, while they're in the middle of the season and still in the hunt for the playoffs. If they were 0-10 right now, we wouldn't be talking about this. It's odd. It would be obvious then. But a 5-4 and four Buffalo Bills, who were 5-2 and two playing great football, before their last two losses that I personally felt like they could have bounced back from with Tyrod Taylor as quarterback, but now we'll never know because he's benched now. So now we will have no idea, and we're going to see if Nathan Peterman can get the job done. But we're going to jump into the NBA, ladies and gentlemen. Well, basketball, the NCAA basketball in particular, then we'll get into the NBA. For those of you that have not heard, LiAngelo Ball, one of the Ball brothers, Cody Riley, and Jalen, the three UCLA players that were stealing in Shanghai, in China, have been suspended indefinitely. Just to sum things up for you, they were basically pardoned by the president, that being Donald Trump. They were basically pardoned by them. They were in Shanghai at the time. And Donald Trump got on the plane, and he was able to get them back on American soil. He did that. And, of course, right on schedule, Trump put out a tweet yesterday stating, do you think the UCLA players would say thank you, President Trump? They were headed for 10 years in jail. That's the statement that Trump put out. I'm going to read that again. The statement, the, the tweet, rather, that Donald Trump put out yesterday stated, do you think the UCLA players will say thank you, Donald Trump? They were headed for 10 years in jail, quote. Now, first of all, <laughs> first of all, you don't have to worry about tooting President Trump's horn because he will beat you to it. That's number one. You don't have to worry about giving him his props. He'll give his own damn props. Yeah, he'll do that himself. He don't need you for that. So we already know what that's about. That's number one. Number two, when it comes to the players, I really got to say this. I really do because it's been frustrating me. I've been hearing it all day long. I heard it yesterday. I listened to a few different shows to kind of to, to see what people had to say about it. And I'm tired of hearing this baby word. I'm tired of hearing that. Oh, they were babies. They were kids. You're 17, 18 years old. You're a young man. You're considered grown. I bet you Shanghai were looking at them and looking at the fact that they're babies. They're going to send them to jail for 10 years to be exact. Well, it, was, it, started from, it started from three years, and they can serve up to a maximum of 10 years. But nonetheless, 
I bet you China didn't see it that way. And not even, and not even just China. As Amer- in America, we don't even see it that way. Once you turn 17, you're not considered a baby. Once you turn 17, you can serve in the big boy house, in the big boy prison. That's where you go. You don't go to a juvenile detention no more. You go to the big boy prison. Because not even just this country or that country, but this world as a whole don't see you as a baby at 17 to 18. So in this particular case, why are we? Why are we seeing LeAngelo Ball, Cody Riley, and Jay? Why are we seeing these guys as babies? Oh, they were babies. Oh, they were kids. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. You knew what you were doing. At age of 13, you started, you started to transition to manhood at the age of 13. You know right from wrong. You know it wasn't a good idea to steal. You know that before went over before even going to Shanghai. And you decided to do it anyway. So for that case, I don't feel sorry for you. I just don't. And I'm tired of people saying and I, and I listened to a show today. I'm not gonna say his name, but I listened to a show today. A national televised show to be exact. And this particular guy said that the administration the UCLA administration, everybody that's in charge of the travel and everything like that should stop sending our guys to a communist country, that being China, that we shouldn't even be allowed to go over there. It is, it's almost as if he's trying to reverse, uh, reverse the blame and put the blame on UCLA as a whole in terms of sending our guys over there. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So it's their fault that their players decide to steal some Louis Vuitton glasses. It's their fault, basically. That's, that's what they're basically telling me. I don't buy it. I don't buy it one bit. You can't tell me that they didn't know right from wrong. Yes, in terms of sending your guys over there, I should not have to worry about sending you over there without worrying about the fact that you may steal something. I shouldn't have to deal with that. I just shouldn't. They were scheduled to play Virginia Tech, which they won, by the way, 69-63, uh, uh, and the boys, of course, didn't play. They were stuck at the hotel, but that's who they were playing in the communist country, that being China. Now, I shouldn't have to worry about sending you to another country hoping that you won't steal, hoping that you won't commit a crime. There's this word called choices, ladies and gentlemen, that once you get a certain age and you're conscious of what you're doing and you're aware of what you're doing, you, in fact, have choices. That becomes part of your life. From the moment that God has placed it in your head, that okay, you are now conscious of your actions, you now have choices. You can either choose right or you can choose wrong. But nonetheless, you have to choose. Nonetheless, you have to choose. And they chose wrong. They chose wrong. And we have another caller on the line. Caller, you're on with Outspoken. Talk to me. 
Hey, Mr. Andre, love your show, man. I just like to comment on the the ball situation. I think it's a little bit more deeper than that. I don't think those kids went over there and just started stealing. This seems like it could be something these kids been doing all the time and have been getting away with it and uh, got over there and eventually they just got caught. So I think the problem is, is, is I, I don't think they just went over there and started stealing. I think they've been doing it. And uh, I, I think someone should, should uh, really uh, – you know, get these kids some help before before they get worse than what they is. It's just like, you know, you, you get away with something, you keep doing it. You keep doing it till you get caught. And I I think they just eventually just got caught. I'm going to hang up and listen. Well, uh, well, Carla, I appreciate you uh, mentioning that. And honestly, now I'm not saying that they didn't do it. They haven't been doing it up to this point. And then when they got to China, they decided they wanted to steal. You actually make a very good point. All I'm saying is, regardless if you've been doing it when you was over here in America and you decided to go to Shanghai and do it thinking you're going to get away with it, at the end of the day, you still have this word called choices. Regardless if you're doing it here or if you're doing it there, you have choices. Whether you choose right or wrong, just know that there's consequences. We've been taught this since day one. When you're raised, you're raised to know that, hey, you have choices. There's consequences depending on what choice you choose. But nonetheless, that's what you that's what you have to deal with. Now, when it comes to these guys, and when it comes to uh, uh, the players in, in terms of uh, in terms of UCLA, and everybody that that talked about this that I heard a couple of days ago said that they should be punished in terms of kicked out of school. Now, before I give my thoughts and my opinions on this, if you're still on the line, I want to ask you. Do you feel as if because they've been suspended indefinitely as far as playing, and the coach came in, the, the coach of UCLA made a statement and said that the guys are not allowed to play, they're not allowed to practice, they're not allowed to come to team meetings, they're suspended indefinitely. Now, we don't know what the timetable is. Even he said that he's not sure for how long. All indefinite means is another way of saying effective immediately, meaning right now. They're suspended right now. We don't know for how long. But if you're still on the yeah. line, I want to ask you, a lot of people have been saying that these guys, should not only be suspended, but they should be kicked out of UCLA. I want to ask you, if you're still on the line, do you feel as if they should be kicked out of the school as a whole? Because we remember a while back, Keyshawn Johnson did that with his son a while back. Not only was he suspended, he took him out of school and allowed him to get his act right. So I want to ask you, do you feel like they should be kicked out of the university? Well, well, I definitely, I definitely think they should be kicked off the team, if not for just this year only. Because, like I say, the, uh, the problem is bigger than you know basketball. You know what I'm saying? Right. They need to, they need someone to just find out what's going on with these guys. You know, they spoon fed. They, uh, they used to having everything they want. So, like I say, it, it probably wasn't even about the money. It's just something they've been doing, getting away with it kind of like a kleptomaniac, you know what I'm saying? You, you just keep doing it because you can do it. You get off doing it. But, yeah, I definitely think they should be off the team this year. And, but I don't think they should be kicked out of school. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. You know, I said the same thing. And, and, and honestly, it don't surprise me, you know, who were the ones saying it. You know, I don't really have to name your names in terms of uh, their background and everything like that. But the ones that were saying that, LeAngelo Ball and the other two guys uh, should be actually kicked out of the university. A lot of them were stemming from the fact that 
because not only do they represent themselves, but they represent UCLA as well. And not only do they embarrass themselves, but they embarrass UCLA as a whole and everything like that. But at the same time, I do agree with you. I said that they should not be kicked out of the university because there's this little thing, not only when I said choices, there's another thing I was going to bring up uh, with this particular segment. I said that there's this word called choices, but there's also this word called, well, this phrase called second chance. That's that that that's and that's really what I want to explore here, because everybody's talking about the punishment of these three guys and what type of punishment they should get. But personally, and I'm glad you mentioned the fact that they need help because honestly, in my opinion, you can't really learn from something without actually going through the process. If in fact that you say that this is something they've been doing for a while, and finally they've proven it. Nine, ten times out of ten, they've been getting away with it, and now they finally got caught. You can't learn from your mistakes without actually making a mistake and actually going through the process and actually giving an opportunity to prove that you're not who you say you are, to prove that you're not just some hoodlum off the street, to prove that you're not just a common thug that society already wants to make you out to be from the moment that you're born. But we can't give you that opportunity to prove that you're not that person without a second chance. And that's honestly the way that I feel about it. Well, I, I totally agree with you. Are you still there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Everybody deserves a second chance. That's why I said they probably should be uh, kicked off the team and get their heads right and get their life right, but they still should be in school and they should they deserve a because they're young. You know, we all do some things when we're young that we, we say we think about when we get older. Man, why did I do that? You know, so that don't make them, you know, we should kick them to the curb or throw them away. Uh, we should give these kids another chance. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I definitely agree with you 110%. Thank you so much for calling. And, again, you know, at the end of the day, nowhere am I am I – not pointing out the fact that what they did was wrong. I get all of that. I understand all that. They had no business going over there and stealing, doing everything like that. If in fact you, even if in fact you have been doing it from the time that from the from since you were over here, moving on to China. But at the same time, their rules is a whole lot different than our rules over here. I don't believe you'll get ten years for stealing some glasses. But you will over there. The system that they follow <laughs> is a lot different than our than our system. But that's all I'm gonna say about that. We wanna jump to the NBA real quick. This next this next thing that I'm and I'm gonna bring up and my and my girlfriend Jordan she she can attest to it because I had to play on this particular topic all night before bringing it up. Everyone that's listening to the show knows I'm a Dallas fan, whether it be the Dallas Mavericks, whether it be the Dallas Cowboys. I ain't really went over to the Dallas Stars yet I'm just not because I'm not a hockey fan. But, oh, and if you're tuning in for the first time, in terms of the, uh, the Texas Rangers, yeah, I have bandwagon, and I am a Houston Astros fan. Yes, I said it. 
I bet I said it, and I don't care. I'm a Houston Astros fan, even though I'm from Dallas. I'm not a Texas Rangers fan. You will see me wearing the blue and the orange. I will be wearing a Houston Astros shirt. I'll give me a Houston Astros hat. I might even buy some socks because I'm a Houston Astros fan. That's the only Houston team that I bandwagon to. You will never see me wearing the Houston Texans gear. No, will you see me wearing the Houston Rockets gear. I can't do it. I will not do it. I don't think my people in Dallas will ever forgive me. But when it comes to the Houston Astros, I will argue them to a T because I'm a Houston Astros fan. But there's one team that I am a fan of that's been really frustrating me this season, and that's the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks are 2-13 and 13 right now. 2-13. I listened to a show the other day, and somebody and on the show they talked about the Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks, and one of the questions that came up was, should they fire Rick Carlisle? That's the question. I'm not so sure. I don't think I would. Even though this season is looking as bad as this looked, I'm not so sure. Because the real person we need to be looking at right now, the real person that we need to be, that we need to be blaming is Mark Cuban. Because he's been lying to dirt for the past five seasons, talking about, I'm going to get you some talent. I'm going to bring you some true talent that you can build around. Dirk has been taking, Dirk has been taking so many pay cuts. I don't even know where to begin. That lets me know right there, he truly loves not only this team, but the city of Dallas. He's not going anywhere, period. Because he's been taking so many pay cuts so that the, so that the organization, the franchise, can actually bring in some talent. I've already went through the list on two shows ago in terms of who they have brought in ever since the championship in 2010 and what has happened since then. But in terms of Rick Carlisle, I'm just going to point this out. Minus the fact that they are 2-13 and 13 this year, that's really, been, that's really has frustrated me. When you look at what they've done since that championship season, we have to pay attention to this. Of course, that following year after they won the championship, they went 41-41. and 41. That's, that, that's, that's, that's right at 500 basketball. Pretty mediocre. I understand. They did make the playoffs that year, though. They did lose in the first round against OKC. I remember that. Now, that following year, that 2012-2013 season, they did not make the playoffs. They had a horrible, horrible year. They didn't make the playoffs. But that next season after that, 2014, they came in as a number eight seed and lost to the Spurs in the first round, even though that game actually went the distance. That game actually went to game seven, and the Spurs ultimately ended up winning and moving on. But that's, that was a four to three seed. That was a four to, that, the series was four to three. They took them all the way to the, to, the, to the seventh game. And then the following season after that, they made the playoffs yet again, but this time they lost to the Houston Rockets in the first round. And then even in last season, they made the playoffs as the sixth seed. And, of course, they were taken out by OKC in the first round. So, well, all this boils down to, of course, minus the 2012-2013 season. The Dallas Mavericks have made the playoffs, but ever since that championship season, even though they've made the playoffs for majority every season after that, they have not been able to get past the first round, whether it be the San Antonio Spurs, whether it be OKC twice, or whether it be the Houston Rockets. They have not been able to get past the first round. Rick Carlisle, for 10 seasons, has made the playoffs seven out of the 10 seasons and won championships, that being in 2010. So, in terms of this year, 
when you look at who they got this year, and I'm going to tell you right now, their pickup with Dennis Smith Jr. has been that, – that's, that's probably been the best move they've done uh, ever since winning the championship in 2010 because this guy is unbelievable. I'm going to tell you right now, even though – they're 2-13, and 13. and when you look at a team that's 2-13, and 13, you say, I'm not about to watch them play. You need to watch them play because of one player, and that being that his name is Dennis Smith Jr. Dennis Smith Jr. is must-see TV. He's must-see TV. Unlike, some, unlike another rookie who I'm going to bring up later in the show before we wrap things up, Dennis Smith Jr. is must-see TV. He, amongst other rookies in the draft, you actually want to watch. De'Aaron Fox, must-see TV. Kyle Kuzma, Kuzma, must-see TV. And I'm going to get into him and the L.A. Lakers here in just a moment. But in terms of Dennis Smith Jr., I really hope his talent doesn't get wasted in Dallas. And I'm saying that as a Dallas Mavericks fan, I hope his talent doesn't get wasted. <laughs> because I just, I just look at the team, and then I look at Dennis Smith, the way he plays, the way he just slices through the defense and just dunks on everybody. I just look at him, and I just go, oh, Lord have mercy. I just hope your talent doesn't get wasted. I hope they don't waste your talent. Because Dallas is capable of doing something like that. I hate to say that about my own team. I hate to say that about my own city. But they are capable of doing that. They will waste Dennis Smith Jr. talent if they're not careful. And that's not good. That's not good at all. But in terms of another rookie, who is also, in my opinion, must see TV, I want to jump into a game last night that I watched from start to finish. And that's the L.A. Lakers that took on the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, the Lakers lost to Philadelphia by the score of 115-109. to I watched that game from start to finish. The Sixers had a 15-point lead at one particular point in the game. And that was, of course, with the stars out there on the field, on the court, excuse me. There are four players that are keeping the Los Angeles Lakers relevant. And neither one of them is Alonzo Ball. Yes, I said it. There are four players that are keeping the L.A. Ram, the, the, excuse me, the Los Angeles Lakers relevant, and neither one of them is Lonzo Ball. I'll tell you who. Kyle Kuzma, another rookie who, by the way, was not drafted first by the Los Angeles Lakers. Kyle Kuzma, Julius Randle, who comes off the bench has been averaging twelve points and eight rebounds. Jordan Clarkson, who dropped 20 last night in eight rebounds, coming off the bench. He's been on fire. And then last but not least, Brandon Ingram, a guy who we've been wondering about coming into this season. We saw how he played last season, but we was wondering about that, that just that, if, if, is he really that guy for the Lakers? We knew with the, with the addition to Lonzo Ball, based on what we saw from Lonzo Ball at UCLA last year, adding him to the mix with, with Brandon Ingram, a lot of people, including myself, said, okay, you know what? Maybe that's what Brandon Ingram needs. He's, he really needs that distributor on the team to really kind of just bring his talent out. And his talent is being brought out this year, averaging over 20-plus points a game and 10, and 10 rebounds, 
He had another double-double last night, 25 points, 10 rebounds to be exact. He was on fire for the L.A. Lakers, even though they were not victorious because <laughs> Joel Embiid was unstoppable. 46 points, 13 rebounds. This dude was unstoppable. He was explosive last night. I'm telling you. And, of course, you know, Ben Simmons did his normal thing. You know, a 6'8", 6'9", point guard, and he's actually playing like a point guard and not a point forward. That was a question for me coming into this season. But these guys were actually good. Without Markel Fultz, who was on the, who was on the bench, he's hurt. He's not even playing. And the Sixers actually look good without him. The number one overall pick in the 2017 NBA draft. Not even on the court. And these guys are excellent. But in terms of the L.A. Lakers, and in terms of Lonzo Ball, for the fourth straight game, Lonzo did not play the fourth quarter at all. You know who was out there? Julius Randle, a guy who comes off the bench. Dominating. Kyle Kuzma, a guy, well, he's not, he don't come off the bench, but a guy who was not drafted first by the L.A. Lakers, but still a rookie nonetheless, went off. Jordan Clarkson, he was out there for the duration of the fourth quarter. He comes off the bench. There's two words here. We're talking about Lonzo Ball, and that's the will and determination. I'm just not seeing it. I'm just not seeing it. He had a total of two points last night. Two. And that basket was by luck. It just rattled its way in. Some way, somehow. I don't know if he was praying about it from the moment he started to the moment he was over. But to the moment he, from the moment he threw it up to the moment it went down. I don't know if he was just praying the whole time. Because it looked ugly. And in terms of his shot, everybody's talking about his shot. He has an ugly shot. Everybody wants to point to that at first. At the end of the day, Lonzo Ball had that same shot at UCLA, and it was going down for him. It led him to average 15 points a game. It was going in. Shooting right at, I believe, 50% from the field. So what's the problem now? What's the problem now? It's just a different league. Is it the court? It is the size of the goal. I mean, what? I mean, I just really want to know what is it. He was one for nine from the field, oh, and six from three points. Had two points, and he played twenty-one minutes as a starter. Brandon Ingram played forty, eleven for eighteen from the field. Had twenty-six points and eleven rebounds. And Kyle Kuzma, the other rookie, who's actually showing that will and that determination. Had 24 points to the rebound. That's all we want to see. Well, at least for me personally, when it comes to Lonzo Ball, all I want to see is that will and that determination. I don't care if you go out there and you score 30 points a night. I don't care if you go out there and you score 20-plus points a night. All I want to see is that will and that determination. I would be more I would be more satisfied if you go one for 20. At least that lets me know you're shooting a damn ball. When you go out there and the minute you get down on the court, you want to give it up so easily, you were the number two overall pick to the loss. Angeles Lakers. This is the West Coast. You have to show up and you have to ball. 
You got everybody that's talking about you and, and a questioning as to whether or not you're a bust. I'm not going to call you a bust because I actually watched you, and I actually studied you at UCLA. And I'm telling you, and I'm telling everybody that's listening right now, the way that he's playing right now, that's not the Lonzo Ball I saw at UCLA. That's not. And I know if everybody, and I know everybody want to blame it on LeVar Ball in terms of LeVar leading up to this point has been writing checks that Lonzo Ball has to cash. And so far as of right now, he's about to go bankrupt. I get that. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, regardless of what your daddy has been saying about you leading up to this point in comparison you to, <laughs> to point guards like Steph Curry uh, and everything like that, we know that was a bunch of BS, but he did it anyway. And nonetheless, you're the one that's still in charge of actually going out there and playing. And all I want to see is that will and that determination. That's all I want to see. Again, if you go for 1-20, in 20, I would be more satisfied with that because at least that lets me know that you're at least trying. I just want to see you try. When you're the number two overall pick and you don't play, the, for the, you don't play in the fourth quarter for the past three or four games, and when your team is in crunch mode, and you would think that they would need their number two overall pick on the court, and you're on the bench, what does that say? What does that say? That means you're not showing that will and that determination. That means you're not showing that it factor. That means you're not showing that you want it. And in terms of the ugly shots, I don't care. I had an ugly shot when I played basketball, but it went in. Everybody used to talk about my ugly shot. My shot was ugly. It was horrible. I had the worst shot in terms of my release on the court, but it went in. I at least tried. And all I'm saying is I just want to see you try. I don't want to see you, I don't want to see you pass the ball when you have a wide-open shot. I don't, want to see, I don't want to see you give up wide-open threes or wide-open mid-range jumpers. Take the shot. Take it. That's all I want you to do. If you miss it, oh, well. Get the rebound. If not, other team gets it. Get back on defense, hustle, play defense, and let's get back on offense. That's how the structure of the game is supposed to go. And that's all I want to see. That's all I want to see. Again, you don't have to score on every play. When you got Kyle Kuzma, who's pretty much been showing you how a rookie is supposed to play or how a rookie is not supposed to be afraid to play when he comes into the NBA, you got Brandon Ingram a second-year player that's been averaging over 22 points and eight rebounds a night. When you got Julius Randle, who, who can come off the bench and not only sustain but bring that fire into you, Julius Randle reminds me of what we had in Dallas in Tyson Chandler. He didn't really score. And, again, Julius Randle only had eight points and eight rebounds. Tyson Chandler wasn't really your scorer on every play. Tyson Chandler was your defender. He brought that toughness to the team. He brought that toughness to the defense that the Mavericks were lacking. That's what Julius Randle brings to the team. You got him. You got Jordan Clarkson who's going to come off the bench, and he's going to give you at least 15. In this particular case, he gave you 20. Off of eight for 21 shooting. So all I'm saying is, if you're not making every shot, we you have guys, young guys to be exact, that can kind of pick it, can kind of pick up the chips for you. But I still need for you to try. I still need for you to try. And unfortunately, we have ran out of time here on Outspoken, ladies and gentlemen. As I told you before, the show is going to be hot, literally. I had some things I had to get off my chest, and I needed to get them off today. But I want to thank you all so much for joining the show. For my producer, 
Dr. Mike Prince, for my caller that called in on several occasions throughout the show. I definitely want to thank him for tuning in and calling in and giving his thoughts and his perspective when in terms of Ezekiel Elliott and in terms of Jerry Jones and LeAngelo Ball and the UCLA players. I definitely want to thank him for that. I definitely want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in because without you, we would be nothing. I'm signing, I'm signing off right now from the second floor of the Moore Student Center, better known as the MSC. I've been your host, Andre Davis. You've been tuning in to Outspoken. Thank you all so much for joining, and we will see you next time.